Price of Fear. Brought to you by Vincent Price. Hello there. Do you like fish? To eat, I mean, not to look at or catch. Well, I do. I am, in fact, one of the world's most compulsive piscivores. I find there is an almost ritual purity about fish. The Japanese, you know, eat their fish raw, shredding and flaking the flesh and dipping it into piquant sauces, soya, horseradish, that sort of thing. The effect can be delicious. A delicate point and counterpoint, air and descant, plucking at the palate. The taste can be exquisite. And yet if you should think too hard about those raw, gelatinous strips of fish, you may find the feel of them, the sight of them even, is somehow obscene. But then my attitude in these matters is colored by a most unnerving experience I underwent in Australia. I'll call this story simply Fish. Because as each stage of the episode unfolded, it was impressed on my memory by some piscatorial piece of gastronomic delight. It started in a Sydney restaurant about five years ago, with a dozen of the celebrated rock oysters with lemon and cayenne pepper and all the usual trimmings. I was lunching with Greg Rossmark, an aspiring actor who wanted to come to work in London, we were just debating whether another half-dozen would be sheer bliss or pure greed when suddenly... Vincent? It is Vincent, isn't it? Vincent Price? Well, yes. yes. Jane Willemsey? I don't suppose you remember. But we did once actually work on a, a film together. Well, yes, I, I believe I do remember. It, it was a long time ago. At Elstree, wasn't it? That's right. I strangled you, didn't I? <laughs> oh, what a charming fellow. But I only strangle the nicest people. <laughs> Sorry, Jane. Let me introduce you to Greg. Greg Rossmark. He's also an actor. An eminently unsuccessful one. Hello. How do you do? Won't you join us? No. No, thank you very much. I must be going. Are you, uh, working over here now, Miss, uh, Willemsey? In the theatre, I mean. Oh, No. No, the theatre gave me up for dead, right after Vincent strangled me. <laughs> well, I, I can't believe that I was that realistic. <laughs> well, it was probably just symbolic of something or other. Don't you miss it, the uh, theatre? Maybe. But you can't have everything, can you? Sure you won't join us, though. There seems so much we might talk about. No, no, really, I can't. Richard's already waiting at the table, and he's due to start glowering any moment now. Oh, that's a shame. Look, how long are you here for? Oh, just a week or so. I start filming in Hong Kong at the end of the month. Uh, why don't you come over to lunch with us on Sunday? Well, I... We're only over at Manly, and I'm a much better cook than I ever was an actress. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I'd uh, love to come. Oh. Well, very well, then we'll both come. <laughs> oh, well, fine. <laughs> Well, uh, it's number six, Sandy Avenue. It's right on the beach. You can't miss us. All right, till Sunday, then. Any time after 12? We'll be there. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Lovely woman. 
I do apologize, Vincent. Whatever for? Falling in on your invitation like that, it uh, obviously threw you. Well, I suppose it did. I just wasn't expecting it somehow. No, neither was she. I was, uh, I was trying to stampede you into accepting. Well, you succeeded admirably. I, I don't see why, though. Well, I thought that you were going to refuse. Well, would that have been so disastrous? Not to you, maybe, but it, uh, it might have been to her. But I don't see how it could have been. I hadn't seen her for years, and I barely knew her even then. Yes, I know, I know, but there's just something about her. It's, uh... Well, it's sort of difficult to put your finger on, but the eyes were out of phase with the voice. All the while she was talking, the eyes looked, um, well, they looked hunted. Oh, come on, Greg. Don't let your imagination run away with you. Imagination be damned. Imagination. What is imagination? A mental trick. A simple piece of sleight of mind that projects facts into fantasy, or fantasies into fact. Anyway, the following Sunday, Greg picked me up at my hotel and drove us out across the Sydney Harbour Bridge towards the North Shore and Manly. The other day in the restaurant, Vincent, when Jane Willemsey introduced herself... uh... Did you really remember her right off just oh, like that? Yes, yes. She wasn't the sort of woman you'd forget easily, especially after her performance in that film. Was she good? In it, very good. On it, positively scandalous. Are you serious? Oh, yes, quite literally so. She brought the picture to a grinding halt about halfway through the schedule. <laughs> well, how'd she manage that? She ran off with the director. <laughs> oh, yes, she took off just like that. Left us, her husband, everybody, flat and just took off. <laughs> Believe me, it was no laughing matter. Oh, it couldn't have been. <laughs> well, at least it wasn't at that time. <laughs> we had to get a new director in and a new lady for me to strangle. And we reshot every scene that Jane had been in. Oh, it was an absolute nightmare. And, uh... And what happened to her, Jane? Well, she just disappeared. They both did. Off the set, out of the business, off the face of the earth, for all I knew. Her husband hired some inquiry agents to find them, and for a few weeks we were all up to our ears in private eyes. (laughs) I sometimes wonder why he bothered it. Could hardly have come as a surprise to him, not with a woman like that. A woman like, uh, what? Well, she was younger then, of course, a lot more arrogant. She seemed to generate a sort of, uh sexual electricity. She had an almost animal magnetism that could devastate a man. I'll tell you something, Vincent. She still got it. I wonder what her husband's like. Well, more important, I wonder if he's a film director (laughs) or or even an ex-film director. (laughs) I guess we'll soon find out. We did, and he wasn't a film director. Jane's husband turned out to be a broker on the Sydney Stock Exchange. But even that turned out to be more of a sideline. His real occupation was swimming, surfing, yachting, all the classic activities of the professional outdoor type. Richard was a good outdoor cook, too. And what he could do with an open fire was beyond belief. 
It's coming on nicely. Won't be long, Benson. You always eat al fresco like this, Richard? <laughs> uh, we only make a thing of it at the weekends. Well, I can think of worse ways of passing the time. I'll race you back. Right, you're oh. Come on. Nice to see Jim enjoying herself so much. God, I'm exhausted. Well, I'm not surprised. The surf takes it out of you, especially when you're not used to it. Greg was... Oh, he was teaching me to ride the surf. <laughs> yes, I saw. Greg, what's that mark on you? What? Where? Out there on your leg. Oh, oh, that, that's a birthmark. Oh, I'm sorry. It's all right, it's almost a family crest. Oh. It occurs at least once in every generation in our family. What, always in the same place? No, but it's usually on an arm or a leg somewhere, and it's always, but always, the same shape, what? you see? An open rose. Oh, yes. Oh, now you pointed out, it is like a rose. My uncle, my grandfather, theirs were identical. That's extraordinary. How, how far does that go back? Well, you see, my family's name is uh, Rosmark, uh, and uh, I suppose originally it was uh, Rosemark, but, uh, well, God knows when that started. Yeah. Oh, that really does smell delicious, Richard. It's coming on. What is it inside the tinfoil, I mean? Hmm? It's a whole baked tie. It really is very good eating. Richard carves it off in great chunks, and you dip it in the shoyu sauce. Well, I can hardly wait. Tell me, where on earth did you learn to cook food Japanese-style, Richard? Oh. I find any style of cooking absolutely fascinating. Uh, we were taught this by a party of Japanese stockbrokers that we took fishing. Hmm? What, what sort of fishing? Tuna, barracuda, marlin, if you're lucky. Oh, the big game bit, huh? Richard has his own boat down the coast at Bermagui. We charter it out most of the time, but uh, we reserve a few odd weeks for ourselves. You go fishing, Jane? No. He prefers to stay here. Hmm, I can imagine. It must be a far cry from Elstree to Bermagui. Don't drag all that up, Rosmark, for Pete's sake. Drag all what up? The theatre, the bright lights and all that crap. She's much better off where she is. Aren't you, Jane? Yes. Did, uh... Did you two know each other before, uh, uh... Before what? Well, before... Before Jane gave up the theater. Why, uh, Why, yes, of course. I married her when she was still a, a drama student. And in the end, it was me who made her give it all up. Wasn't it, darling? I could hardly believe it. This was the husband that she had left on her... Runaway romance. What could have happened? Had he found her, or had she come back to him? And what about the flyaway film director? What had happened to him? <laughs> well, when I got back to London, I mentioned his name around a few times to see if I got any response. I didn't. People remembered him, but no one had seen or heard of him since he had run off with that uh, actress, as they put it. <laughs> They'd both run off, of course, but only Jane had come back. I wondered, so dark a thought, so dark a thought, it lodged unnoticed in the shadows of my memory until last year, when I went back to Australia, back to Sydney. 
Perhaps it was the same unnoticed thought that made me phone the one-time Jane Willemsey and her husband and to invite them both to dinner. I remember the occasion well. We had a quite extraordinary Australian hock with a quite excellent lobster a la Morican. How long will you be in Australia this time, Vincent? Oh, only a few more days, then I go to Japan for eight weeks of filming. Might come back here after that, though, just for a short vacation trip. Oh, well, then you must come up to stay with us in Brisbane. It'd be lovely to Brisbane? see you. Brisbane? Yes. Uh, didn't Richard tell you? But tell me what, Richard? We're moving house. Well, what will you do in Brisbane? Fish. Mostly. I've sold my business interests here in Sydney and invested in a couple of boats. Uh, powerful engines, properly fitted out. You know, chair, rods, harpoons, flotation barrels, a lot. We can take anything. Sailfish, black marlin, the big sharks, the tigers and the great whites. Yes, but why do you go all the way up to Brisbane? I mean, why not stay in Bermagui? That was Richard's decision. The, uh... Charter rates are much higher up in Queensland. Oh. Better fishing all the year round, too. Richard's going to skipper one of the boats himself. Well, what will you do, Jane? I'm sure there'll be a great deal to keep me occupied. Uh, you'll probably enjoy it once you get settled in. We'll see. Have you seen Greg? Greg? Oh, Greg Rossmark, you mean. Now, have you seen anything of him recently? No. Yes. Not recently. Uh, how is he? Hi. Is he working? Uh, no, no. Um, he, he gave up the theatre. After dinner, I saw them to their car with a promise that I would visit them in Brisbane on my return from Japan. I watched them out of sight and turned to walk down to my hotel in the cool night air. Suddenly, I became quite chillingly aware that Someone was walking almost at my shoulder, following me. I stopped. Suddenly, I had to turn and face him out. Vincent. It is Vincent, isn't it, Vincent Price? Yes. Do you remember me? Greg. Greg. With the rose mark on his leg. Greg, Greg Rossmark. Of course, I hardly recognized you. Huh. I... Are you all right? Let's just say that I'm, uh... Sort of sick. You were with her, weren't you? You mean Jane? Yes, I, I've just had dinner with her and Richard. Yes, I saw you. Did you mention me? Well, she said she hadn't seen you recently. No, no. He won't let her, not since he found out. Found out, huh? Well, is that why you never went to England? <laughs> yes. It, uh, happened again. You see, we, uh... Oh, uh, you wouldn't understand. You mean you ran away together? No. Everything but that, funnily enough. She wouldn't come with me. She... She was frightened. Frightened of what? Of him, of course. She's terrified of him. Uh, then... When he found out about us, she refused to see me again. She sends my letters back unopened. 
Every time I phone, she uh, bursts into tears and uh, keeps saying, well, moaning, stay away, for God's sake, uh, stay away from me. Oh, the way she says it, uh, it tears the heart out of you. And I, no, it's, it's not what she wants to say, I can tell. But, Greg, maybe she's right. Oh, no, otherwise uh, he, he wouldn't be taking her away from here, far away where he thinks I won't follow. <laughs> well, he's wrong. You can tell him from me that he's wrong. I'll follow wherever he takes her. I'll follow to the ends of the earth, if need be. You tell her that, will you? To the ends of the earth. To the ends of the earth. He shuffled off backwards into the light until the shadows seemed to engulf him completely, leaving me with only the recollection of the desperation in his eyes and the strained emotion of his voice. As I turned into my hotel, I knew that I would need a vacation after my work in Japan had finished, knew that I wanted to try my hand at big game fishing. And so, nine weeks later, I found myself on the open patio of Jane and Richard's new house, eating homemade croissant and drinking fresh ground coffee in the pale sunshine of an early morning in Queensland. Like some more coffee, Vincent? Oh, please. And, by the way, I congratulate you on your croissant. They're delicious. <laughs> Not at how you can face the day with just that inside of you. It's a woman's breakfast. Well, I certainly couldn't face a day at sea with a stomach full of bacon, sausage, eggs. <laughs> and tomato. Ooh. Don't forget the tomato. It keeps the corpuscles coming the right color. At least that's what my old granny used to say. Well, mine said they gave you appendicitis. Have you ever been fishing before, Vincent? <laughs> no. No, I never seem to have had the time. And I've never been convinced that I had the patience. I, I know what you mean, but uh, this is nothing like ordinary angling. You see, you don't just sit around and wait for the fish to come. You have to go out and look for them. Well, you have to know where to look, presumably. Well, I seem to know where to look for shark. Richard's landed more sharks in the past fortnight than anyone can remember. He's making quite a name for himself. What's, uh, uh, what kind of sharks do you get in these waters? Oh, all the worst sorts, sir. Or best sorts, according to your point of view. Tigers, mako, hammerheads. I've even taken a couple of whites, uh, small ones, of course, but but even the small ones are man-eaters. Well, what happens if you meet a big one? <laughs> then you've got a fight on your hand. <laughs> that could be real sport. Uh, yes. Well, I'll uh, I'll just go and load up. Oh, the I'll car. give you a hand. Uh, uh, Richard will uh, see to it. You you finish your coffee in peace. Yeah, uh, yeah. You you stay put. I know where everything goes. Vincent, uh, What? Have you seen anything of Greg? I saw him that night that I had dinner with you both in Sydney. Not since then? No. Why? Did he say anything about me? Well, he did say he'd follow you. Follow me here? Anywhere. To the ends of the earth. That's what he said. Oh, God, no. Not again. What's the matter? He's here. He's in Brisbane. You've seen him? Well, he phoned me. 
When was that? Uh, two... No, n- nearly three weeks ago. And you haven't heard from him since? No. I, I told him to keep on to go back to Sydney and forget me. Well, perhaps he did. Do you really think so? Do you? No. Go on, Vincent. Time to get moving. Why didn't you come, Jane? Was only us two fishing. You could try your hand. No, thanks. Anyway, I want to go into town today. Oh. Yeah, okay. Drive carefully. I will. Have a good day. You too, Vincent. Have a good day. Have a good week. Have a good year. Have a good life. What does it mean? As if you can wish anything on anyone. Or induce even the most marginal change in patterns of events that have been irrevocably precast in the unyielding concrete of too many yesterdays. A good day it was then, in the sense that the sky was blue and the sun was warm and the swell of the ocean was at its most pacific. Good boat and a good crew in the shape of Jack, a laconic ex-swagman from the Northern Territories. All it needed was good fish. I wish that had been all we'd got. Patience, Mr. Price. That's what's needed out here. But they're not biting today, Jack. They will. They always do. Give the bag another bang, Jack. Right up. What is that thing? A dubby bag. <coughs> Be bag. Yeah, just hang it over the side of the boat and uh-huh. it leaves a trail behind you for miles. As soon as anything finds it, it turns and follows it right onto the hook. Uh-huh. <laughs> At least that's the theory. What have you got inside it? It's what we call chum. That's a sort of a polite way of saying smelly bits of fish and meat and awful. Especially awful. Anything that'll lose blood and oil into the water. Well, I wonder what'll turn up today. Shark. That's all he seems to be interested well, in. Well, he'll have to take what comes, though, won't he? I mean, he can't pick and choose. Well, he does. At least he seems to. Well, how can he? That's just not possible. You can't just whistle up which fish you want. No, but uh, you can't take all the bait fish out of the dubby bag and just leave bloody meat in there. Then what you put into the water is not so much an oil slick as a blood trail. Uh, That'll bring the sharks running. But you know, Jack, I don't understand this obsession of his with sharks. I really don't. I can't say I do. Ah, they're not as good as marlin or sailfish. They don't have the heart. None of the skipper's set on fighting the big, great white. Well, I only hope that's not a death witch. We've got a visitor, Jack. What's that? Ah, bigger. Who? What is it? Tiger. About ten foot of him. Oh. Better get into the chair, Mr. Price. Yes, sir. There we go. Right. Hurry up. He's circling for the strike. Steady. Yeah? Here he comes. Okay. Don't strike until he stops and starts to bite on it. Right. And strike hard and don't stop to pick the daisies. <laughs> I'll tell you when. Okay. He's slowed. Uh, Wait for it. Uh-huh. He's turning. Now, hit him! <laughs> I got him this way a turn! <laughs> oh. What, oh. what happened? The line broke. Oh, 
What was the breaking strain on that line? Yeah, around 1,000 pounds. Oh, my God. Some fish you had there, Vincent. Shall I rig another hook? Yeah, Jack, might as well. Well, do you think he's still around? Uh, depends if he's still got the hook in him. Hey! Hey, there he is. Where? Right under the stern. Oh. What's he doing that for? He's circling. Why? We've got nothing out. Here he comes. He's going to attack the boat. Hold on, Sunday. Horse. He's crazy. He's mad as a bloody meter. Hey, get the harpoon. I've got it. Get off. You crazy bastard. Get off. What the hell was all that about? <laughs> I've never known that happen before. Well, whatever it was, I'd prefer it not to happen again. Struth. He was after the dubby bag. What? See for yourself. We looked over the stern of the boat. The shark had indeed attacked the dubby bag. He'd torn over half of it away from its rope. The grisly, gory bait, or chum, as Jack called it, was already dispersing through the water. And then I saw the canvas, a shredded piece of the bag that had been torn away from the rest. It was floating precariously just below the surface of the water. On it was a piece of meat, a small piece of meat with a yellowish, bloodied skin. And on the skin was a mark, a distinctive mark in the shape of an open rose. Then the movement of the sea washed it off its canvas raft and committed it forever to the deep. Well, next time you eat fish, you may care to remember this little episode, but I hope it doesn't put you off. I'm uh, still a committed piscivore, with the single exception that I will never, never eat fish and chips in Australia. <laughs> flake and chips, as they call it. It's a great favorite out there. But flake, of course, is shark meat. Goodbye. Bon appétit. Vincent Price bringing you The Price of Fear with Bruce Beebe, Louis Fayander, Amanda Murray and Bill Kerr. This story, Fish, was first recounted and dramatised by Rennie Basilico and produced by John Dice. <laughs>